Welcome to This Artistic Life. On this podcast, we sit down with professional artists of all disciplines to talk about their journeys, what inspires them, and their unique perspectives from life off the beaten path. Brought to you in part by Artist Relief Tree, a relief fund for artists affected by cancellations due to COVID-19. I'm your host, Daniel Welch. This week's guest is Anne Dias. Anne is an actor and has been a staff performer at the Metropolitan Opera for over 10 years. This episode was recorded outdoors at Lincoln Center, adhering to strict COVID-19 protocols, including social distancing. So please pardon the ambient sound. Well, thank you (laughs) for taking the time to be on this Artistic Life podcast. We've been trying to line up podcast episode for a year. At least. Something like that. At least, right? It took COVID to make it happen. Yeah. Well, the, like, I think the second time we tried to coordinate, I had a baby. And so that kind of... I mean, that's <laughs> a reasonable excuse, yeah. I would say. She came really early, so it wasn't like, you know... <laughs> it was a surprise factor. It was a surprise. Was a surprise factor, yeah. Oh, by the way, I can't make it. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I now have a child. <laughs> kind of an important factor in your life. Yeah. Just a little bit, just a little bit. I'm in the hospital, but. <laughs> For good reasons. Yeah. For good reasons. So you have a very unique job at the Metropolitan Opera, um, a job that has been going on for a decade? Um, a li- probably a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think when they started being on contract, oh gosh, let me think. Before my time, but it's, only but only by like a, a couple years. Yeah. So you're considered to be a contract performer. Mm-hmm. That's the official title. Yeah, I'm a contract. Um, we're called staff performers. Staff performer. That's the phrase. Yeah. There's um, can only be nine of us on contract. Currently, we have eight actually because somebody um, left the mat and moved um, home to Texas, and that was before COVID. So we haven't replaced that person. Gotcha. But right now, it's uh, seven guys and me. And you. Yeah. And the super unique part about this is the fact that you work at the Met and you make zero sound on stage. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while we do the odd, you know, can everybody shout Italian phrases? Right. Or, which I like to really name pastas if possible. Nice. You know. So, Parfale yes, works really well. <laughs> I'm going to listen for that next time yeah. there's like group yelling. I'm going to listen for pastas. Yeah. I've had to do um, lines in Russian and different things. When we did the nose, we mm-hmm. had lines that we had to learn. Um, and you were the only one on stage saying them, so, you know. Nice. Yeah. So let's back way up and talk about how you ended up here. But let's talk a little bit about your background as an actor, as a performer, et cetera. Where did that, where did it start with you? Um, were you always, were you the kid putting on plays at home? Oh yeah, and, and directing them and, and uh-huh, uh-huh. costuming them and setting up a proscenium with the garage. Siblings, um, do you have siblings? Yes. They um, must have loved you. Oh yeah, yeah. and lots yeah. of neighborhood kids I would, you know, I would make popcorn. I would sell tickets. I would write programs. I was doing. You were born to be a producer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I gave people lighting readings. Mm-hmm. Say it like this. That sounds right. With more feeling, you know. <laughs> Come on, Jennifer. Because that's what every seven-year-old wants. <laughs> yeah. To be told that, you yeah. know, more feeling. I, uh, I mean, I, I think as a kid, I was all about, like, putting on costumes and doing little shows. And um, I think when I was, like, three or four, at the Christmas pageant in our preschool. I uh, was the only kid, I think, who knew the words to whatever was the song we were singing. And so they just put the mic in front of me. While the other three-year-olds were just, you know, 
and that's what started it all. <laughs> yeah, fiddling with whatever, and I was like, I think, I think legend has it that I took the mic off of the stand and held it, and it was just became, you know, a one-woman show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were doomed to be a performer. I think so. Doomed is probably, yeah. Yeah. The right. There's word. no escaping it. Some people just can't <laughs> escape it, and it will happen no matter what. Yeah. And if they aren't paid for it, they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Mm. So did you do a lot of performing in school then? Yeah, I for a really long time, I thought I was going to be an Olympic swimmer. That's what I was oh. like stoked about. I swam starting in kindergarten year round until I was like 16. And I had dislocated my knee playing softball at school in middle school. And I'm then- I'm very familiar with that pain. Oh gosh, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I think about it right now and it's like I all your it. sphincters kind of- yeah. Yep. Everything tightened. <laughs> so it's uncomfortable. I uh, had to do physical therapy and I was in like this big straight brace and crutches for a long time. And um, swimming is one of those sports that like you miss a little bit and you've set yourself back weeks and months. You know, it, you don't, you don't, it doesn't stay up with you for whatever reason. And um, anyway, so then I went back to swimming and I was like, you know, sad and bored and sitting at school and Actually, I was in a brace at school and the theater teacher was like, you should come be in my play. And I was like, I'm an athlete. <laughs> um, I don't know both. if you know this about me, but I'm an athlete. And so like, I don't do that. And um, she had me come in and audition for, you know, our, um, oh gosh, we were, we were doing this melodrama called Tied to the Tracks. That's what it was called, like a guy with a mustache and oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know. Old timey. Oh, old timey. And um, I really wanted to play this one character who comes on and she says, the famous Lady Macbeth out damn spot, because I thought, oh, this will be fun. I'm going to curse at school. The dream. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be that. And um, I got cast as the lead to much to my disappointment <laughs> and um, had to, you know, sing and act and wear a a really sad hoop skirt that I think was probably made from a hula hoop. And, um, you know, then I just never looked back. <laughs> nice. So did, it, did you chase it in college? Oh yeah, I, um, I have a BFA in acting from Texas State. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, by the time I got to high school, I just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. I was always in like lots of activities and did ROTC and choir and every, like all the clubs. And, um, but theater was really the thing I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And then got to school and it was like, that was it. I just knew. Yeah. So predominantly straight acting. I, I did musical theater for a long time, um, but I have um, a huge problem with nerves. And uh, it got to the point where like, you know, like it's like crying in an audition doesn't get you a lot of work. <laughs> not unless you can cry on cue. No, I mean, yes. And it's intentional. Yes, but let's it was say, not. Let's, let's say that. If it's I, intentional. I, after, after college, I, I moved to New York and I went to the Circle in the Square. And uh, I was like, I'm going to, you know, I was doing voice lessons every day and singing all the time. And I was going to be, you know, on Broadway. And I had a audition <laughs> for uh, Les Mis that I went in for, I was stoked. It was pouring rain and I went in and I was absolutely like dripping wet. I start to sing and, and suddenly I um, notice that tears are coming out of my eyes. <laughs> 
but like over here in the in the like thought bubble place where like I'm disconnected, you know? <laughs> and I was I was singing and I was all of a sudden I was distracted by the fact that I was crying. And so I stopped. Um and I said, I was like, I, I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know what's happening, but can I start over? <laughs> they were so nice. They were like, yeah, yeah, of course, no problem. Uh, and I'm sure they felt sorry for me. <laughs> so I began again and I just, it was like the words were gone. Wow. I, I don't know, I was totally disconnected and I was just like hot tears running down my cheeks. So I uh, basically, you know, didn't book it. And um, I, said to, I said to them as I left, you know, See you, callbacks. <laughs> They're like, mm, sure, yeah. They laughed, and I thought maybe that would save me, mm. but it, yeah, no. And then I, it abruptly ended my um, singing career. But the speaking, you have no problem with. No, I mean, I get really nervous, but for some reason it doesn't have the same effect. Impromptu tears. Yeah. Isn't a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the speaking roles. Interesting. Interesting. I, I find, for myself, I always got less nervous singing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I, it's weird to have that kind of like connection to it. I, I, I don't know what, how that started or how that happened. And I, I didn't always feel that way, but you know. It was your, you know, your psyche telling you, we're going this way now. Your yeah. career is going on this trajectory over yeah. here. Instead, you'll be happier. <laughs> yeah. So how did the Met end up on your radar? Um, so when I went to Circle, I had B.H. Barry as a um, fight teacher for two, for two years. Okay. And he has choreographed a lot of the fight work at the Met. And he used to do uh, all the soap operas. Like when all the soap operas were being filmed in New York, he oh, was yeah. the guy who was like, you know, teaching people how to smack each other and, you know, yeah. have little fights and stuff. Throw and drinks in people's faces. Exactly. Faces. And throw someone over a table or whatever the thing was <laughs> they were doing. And... Um, he did the choreography for the old Franco Zeffirelli Carmen. Oh, okay. Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. So we, you know, there's like that epic girl fight, yeah. which is so fun. And he was able to cast whoever he wanted. Nice. Which I think makes sense because it's, it's choreography mm -hmm. and choreography has a language to it and different directors and teachers and you have you, your students, especially if you have them for two years, you have kind of a language that you use. And with most things, especially opera, you know, rehearsals are so short. Yeah. When it's coming back and it's being remounted, I mean, you may only have like, you know, two weeks or something and you just fill in the holes of the people who were gone and, and you know, put it up. So he happened to be a year where they lost like a bunch of people. And so he brought in a whole big group of girls to do that show that year. Um, and I got to do that. And then I, I mean, I'd never, never in my life thought about being here. Yeah. No, never once. Well, it's one of those positions that until you see it on stage, you forget it exists. Yeah. And, and honestly, most smaller companies tend not to have a whole lot of supers because right. either they don't have the budget for it or casting is limited, size is limited. Sure. But with the scope of the productions at the Met, you could stack a yeah. whole bunch of people on that stage that oh, yeah. their job is to be active background characters. There was, I think, or, like... Or present characters. It's sure. Like, how many times have you carried luggage for people oh walking gosh. on stage? <laughs> A lot. Been a handmaiden yeah. for everything. I, everything, you name it. Hair, I've given people haircuts on stage. On stage. Like, <laughs> Who did you give a haircut to on stage? In Bolena. I had to cut really? her hair at the end. So, you know, it's out of the way of her neck before she gets her head cut off. 
Yeah, we had that. We had this um, like. And you had to have a dedicated wig just to cut. We did. It was rigged, and I had to have these like hair cutting rehearsals so that I wouldn't accidentally cut the wrong place. Right. You know, and there we had to have real scissors. Right. You know. And these wigs aren't cheap. And somebody's singing, and I'm like, "Hi, I'm. I've got this pointy thing right here. Don't mind me." <laughs> that I could accidentally nick your jugular. You know, and and like cut the hair, and then like you know gather this hair up. We did it with Sandra Rodvanovsky and she was, she was, I mean, she's the best sport ever. Yeah. She was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but so also, I've worked with her so many times, I think she's like, I'm not worried. You got right. this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that could be uh, a little nerve wracking for somebody that hasn't worked with the person that's supposed sure. to do the haircutting. I mean, I feel like here, you know, I've been here for so long and I feel like so many people know me that, you know, I, I can't imagine there'd be many soloists who would be like um can you get another person to do this thing with me yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. know just because it's like you, you, it, you everybody feels better when you see the same people all the time you For see sure. the same faces yeah and i think that's why at the met we have staff because we i think that we're sort of like the like collective memory mm -hmm. of the met mm -hmm. you know you have short rehearsal times we remember things that other people don't remember yeah we do bohem and it's like who remembers what this person does and they go to the cheese shop and they sell this and yeah. they have that. And it's like the people who've been doing that show, you know, for like 30 years are the people that remember what happens. Right. It's not written down anywhere. Like the, the, the guy who plays the artist, yeah. the white beard, yeah. what, is his, what is his name? Well, it's been a couple of different guys, but you're probably thinking of Joel. Yeah. I Joel. mean, it, it, up until up until relatively yeah, recently, it was Joel. It, mm -hmm. I had always seen him. Yeah. every he was always the artist. Yeah, and he's been doing it from the beginning. You know, wow. these people are like, I went to an audition, and Franco Zaffarelli said to me, "You're going to be the artist, and you're going to be the prostitute, and you're yeah. going to sell the wine, and you have the flags, and you know." So in that instance, if you do it again with a, a new director, do they basically just say, "Okay, do what you know you're supposed to do"? Or do they actually no, start when, assigning stuff? I mean, I mean, that's how many people are on stage for that oh my gosh. act two scene? I don't, I couldn't even tell you. With everybody, the the chorus, the children's chorus, the supers, it's and a, the band, the orchestra has the, the band. That's right, the band that, and soloists that comes down because the marching band comes through. Um, a donkey and a horse <laughs> and a partridge in a real pear small tree. production. Real. <laughs> I I don't I don't know how many people it is. I don't know. But I mean, I'm thinking from a director's perspective, like that's just. It's a yeah. shit ton of direction you that you would need. hope that you'd just yeah. be like, you guys yeah. have done this before. You know what you're doing. Do your thing. Help the person next to you if they're new. I mean, that is what happens. I really believe that the supers at the Met are the collective memory for yeah. all of our productions. Yeah, it makes total sense. And we are able to have that kind of responsibility because we're not singing. You know, it's yeah. like you, I mean, I've had, I've had shows where someone has been thrown on the last minute. There was this one night in Carmen where a cover went on and I can't imagine that she had any rehearsal on stage because sometimes you just don't. You know, if you're coming in in the middle of the run and uh, she didn't know everywhere she was supposed to be. She yeah. just didn't, how could she? Yeah. You know, and of course you're nervous and you know, you're wearing a costume you've never been in outside of a fitting and it looks different. Yeah. Everything looks different on stage than it does in a rehearsal room. And so, you know, we just sort of were like, okay, we're your cigarette girls. We're your friends. You know us. We make cigarettes together. 
and you know, let me just like take you by the arm and walk with you to this place you're supposed to be. Because it's, you know, you're not supposed to be right here. Nice. And your job is to just make it look normal. Like it's really happening and we really know each other and have a relationship and like, here, come over here and go talk to these fellas who you're <laughs> supposed to be singing to. And I'm willing to bet that uh, soloist wrangler was not in the job description when you're... <laughs> it's not, but it probably is part of like what I do. Yeah. You know, in a good way, yeah. in a good way. Not in like a, you know, because people just genuinely need... Yeah. Well, one of my friends went on to sing. She was in um, Barber in Italy and she was called in to sub for the Rosina last minute. Yeah. And when I say last minute, she didn't get to walk the stage before she went on. And so she leaned on the the cast, the supers and the crew to be like, what door do I go in? Where yeah. do I, like once I'm on stage, most of it's going to be fine. We can work it out. Yeah. But like, I need to know my way around here a little and bit. And you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We were doing the old ring and you know, at the very end, it's the world's supposed to go up in flames. <laughs> but the torch that was supposed to be used had gone out. Lovely. No one can go out and start it. Right. You know, I'm not going to like be able to pull a, a lighter out of, <laughs> you know, my weird Whatever costume, costume you're wearing at the time. You know, that obviously doesn't have pockets and light this torch for you. And I was, um, it had this huge platform up at the back. And I was kind of at the edge and there was, the guys were like, you know, building the pyre. And I thought I could hear someone saying my name, just but like quietly. And I was just like, so I'm trying to be casual with my torch <laughs> and turn over to stage left, but not be like, what's going on? You know, cause we're supposed to all be focused on this one thing. And that's one of the things with us too, is like where, where our attention is is where the, the audience, attention for the attention. audience yeah. you know, we're directing the audience where to look and what's important. So I'm kind of being cash. And um, uh, Ray was like, um, and over in the corner. And I was like, so I kind of like get my part of my body just off stage so I can like turn my ear and hear him, but keep facing this way. And he tells me that this torch is out. This is also closing night of the season. Lovely. He's like, this torch is out. Cause I guess they were like on the wall. She's supposed to go over to the wall and grab it. Who, I think it was, I think it was Debbie Boyd. I think it was Debbie Boyd that night. I'm trying to remember. This was, this was a while ago. And so he's like, the torch is out. You need to give her your torch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, how do I make that look normal? Right. <laughs> so I like. Where were you in? in I was like way upstage and she's like way downstage. <laughs> so I like, I'm like casually, you know, like what's happening? And oh, wood, and like holding my torch and trying to make my way downstage to her because she has no idea that this has happened. She has right. no idea the torch is out. It's important. It is a major plot point. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Literally can't have that scene without yeah. it. So I'm like standing there and I like get over to where the torch is out that she's going to take off the wall. And I'm like standing there with mine and she turns around, you know, dramatically and she looks up at it and she looks at me and I'm just like, and I'm trying to not be like, here, take this. But I'm also like, here, take the torch. <laughs> and so she finally like realizes, you know, this all happens in a matter of seconds. But right. she's like, and takes my torch from me. And then I have to like figure out a way to like go back upstage because I have to die up here. Because if I don't <laughs> die up here, I might really die when all the stuff starts falling. Right. <laughs> yeah. That so, is stage life right there. I mean, like, I feel like that's kind of it. Like, I'm starting fires. 
putting out fires. Uh-huh. I like what you said about basically playing in a sense, tour guide for the audience, because that's, uh, that's again, not something that you tend to think about, but if there's a group of individuals looking a certain way, people subconsciously will follow their gaze, yeah. see what's going on. That's why the random asides work well in Reset or in an aria, because if all the chorus members and all the supers just start going about and doing their own thing, we automatically go, oh, okay, well, this is not to anybody in particular. This right. is just them thinking out loud. Right. And it, it works, but that's something that as an audience member, you don't think about until you have this yeah. dialogue. And you shouldn't have to think about it. I feel like that's part of like what the job is, is yeah. to make it to where, I mean, sometimes like I'm doing something that is important and people need to see it. Yeah. And for a moment, I might be the focus for a moment, but that's, you know, knowing when like that's happening and knowing when it's like, I'm just the other spear yeah. carrier over here. Right, you have to either be really visible and very important, or invisible, yeah, and just a set piece. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a fine line to walk. Uh, I have done some amount of background acting in TV shows, and it's like I was on Sneaky Pete um, mm -hmm. season two, and the more last year's season of um, The Path. Now that I've done that job, I have a tendency to watch background actors. Yeah, which is brutal because background actors like can be people with zero acting experience yes. whatsoever and then there there are people that make careers out of background yeah. acting and I know a few of those people um, but when the background people are distracting it can kill a scene sure or if they spike the camera or you know <laughs> stuff like that you're just yeah. like oh good god there's a you know this is a, a, a non non-sag individual that's never been on a set before and yes it can ruin so much it's like this will be fun and if you had just strolled downstage with that torch and handed it to her that <laughs> whole scene would have been like yeah the whole audience would have been like what the hell is happening yeah. here yeah especially for the people that have either seen it before because we know like right. there are plenty of ring nuts out there yeah not not to be confused with the tolkien ring nuts <laughs> the other ones the um, other ones the, the the wagner crazies who i love dearly because it's a passion but they would have been like, this is not normal. Right, and then the person who'd never seen it would have been like, wait, who's this girl looking through the program? She's important. And then waiting for you to sing. <laughs> yes, and, and waiting happen. for me to sing. And then you just stroll away. Sometimes I feel like people are waiting for me to sing. Like every there once in a while I'm out I've there and I feel like- I've definitely seen productions where I've expected you to sing. <laughs> yeah. Knowing that there wasn't any part for you, but like, no. you're so prevalent. I'm like, she's gotta have like a piece somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. Part of a recit. At some point. Anything at all. Yes. Yeah. What are Run us through some of the, some of the kind of the standard characters that you play that are consistent, that are kind of like always there. Yeah. And then some of the weirder ones. So I, okay, I play kind of like three main things, I think, regularly. Maids. Mm-hmm. Nuns. Yep. Prostitutes. Yeah. Basically women hanging around. Yeah. And sometimes it's not, um... A, ma a maid could also be like um, a handmaiden who right. is royal, or it could just be luggage carrier, like <laughs> like I've done. <laughs> yes. So I mean, that's those are sort of the spectrum I think for women. Yeah. Um, and and that's uh, you know, for better or for worse, kind of the spectrum for soloist females as well. True. Yeah. I think that you kind of you you know it's that whole like you're either very virtuous. Well, you were very not virtuous. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have a sliding scale. No. 
two cats. options. <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. You know, but I, I think, uh, yeah, that kind of, I've done some weird, I mean, like we did, um, Frau and we, we wore these weird costumes where we looked like conehead sperms that were like <laughs> arduously crawling across the mirrored set and then like off the back and onto the, I mean like weird stuff, weird stuff. I mean, and then there's all like the fighting stuff I've done too. You know, those kind of roles are specific. You know, you either, um, well, no, that's, I was gonna say those are, they're not really damsel in distress. No. When I get to fight on stage, it's usually like, I've got a purpose. Yeah. Somebody's pissing me off. Yeah, I'm gonna do something about it. <laughs> I always loved fight choreography. It's a, it's a great time. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. You get to beat somebody up in a controlled environment. <laughs> yes. And the trick is, is that when you're doing something like that, when it's done really well and very safe, the audience isn't nervous for you. Totally true, yeah. When it's getting a little out of control and then the audience actually has to say, I'm worried about this person on stage, yep. not this character, then you know you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. I did, when I used to fence, um, one of my private instructors also taught a fair amount of stage combat at most of the local, I should say local, colleges in the Tri-State area. Yeah. And he, when he found out I sang opera, He's like, is this why you wanted to take fencing? I was like, yeah. He's like, you realize that like traditional fencing and the way you would fight with a, a real spot felt rapier is totally different. I was like, yeah. yeah, but I want to at least understand the motions behind it and that kind of stuff. He's like, do you own a blade? And I said, yeah, I do. So I, I own a tournament level 18th century blade. And he's like, bring it in, let me see it. So I brought it in. He's like, yeah, do you want to rotate traditional fencing one week and then Western martial combat the next week yeah. and we'll go back and forth. He's like, I can teach you how to really fight with a rapier, like right. for real. And then because you're gonna use it on stage, I can teach you what to change for legitimate stage combat. Sure. So you look like you know what you're doing, but you're also not actually going to kill anyone. Like right. he was the one that taught me that when you stab somebody with the blade, there's always, there are, there are two impacts. The impact with the apparel, the clothing, the costume, and then in real life, the blade going through it. Yeah. And so there are two reactions that if you're getting stabbed on stage, you need to have basically like there's a series of motions, not just, oh, I got stabbed yeah. and I'm hitting the ground. Like yeah. it was really, really wild to look at that. And then to actually implement that when I got to play Giovanni was a blast. Totally. And it's knowing the beats. Yes. And that there are beats. It's yeah. not like I swing my sword and I hit you and you fall. It's right. like I swing it, you watch it, I watch it, I hit you, then it goes further and then you, you know, you have to have each one of those steps. There's a, there's a reason they used the word choreography. Yeah. It has to be mapped yeah. and planned and yeah. BH always had counts. Yeah. Everything would have counts yeah. to the music. Yeah. I mean, we would know exactly where we were at all times. And that's also how you could have like six distinct groups fighting at the same time and one and not worry about one group bleeding into the other group. Yeah. Unless it was choreographed that way. Because you know, I would have to take somebody over my shoulders throw them down and at the same time somebody would have to be watching to jump over you know it's like you yeah. have and you have it down yeah and you know what happens if somebody misses a beat yeah or hits somebody with i mean yeah i've been punched accidentally on stage uh you know i have bruises from incidents where you know either in rehearsal or actually in a performance yeah i mean stuff, stuff happens. goes awry you know stuff happens and that's part of like live theater fun you know <laughs> 
But that's that's always something that that part always gave me a rush when I was on stage. Yeah. When I was doing stuff that involved acting physicality that was extra special that we had to go out of our way to train for specifically. Mm-hmm. Because all the other stuff, I mean, it's it's really exotic to everybody else that is not an actor who doesn't perform for a living. But we look at it as, okay, yet another rehearsal. I got to spend another how many hours here, sitting here doing nothing until I'm called, yada, yada, right. yada. But when you get to do the extra special stuff, like it's a rush. It's a blast. You have a fight call. Yeah. Or like a dance call. <laughs> the dance calls that I really enjoyed. Waltzing on stage always drove me crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I was fine at it. And for a bigger dude, was always lighter on my feet than people expected. But like... <laughs> I'd rather fight on stage and dance on stage any day. But it's the same. Like, it, you know? I mean, the mentality behind it yeah. is absolutely the same. Yeah. Um, Different goals. Right. But the same, yeah. you know. Well, and it's, it's, I was just talking to a, a friend of mine who is on uh, a stars show that's shooting here in New York. And one of the first scenes that they shot um, was one of the love scenes for his character. And he's engaged in the show. And, uh, so he had to do this and just and throw was, you in the deep end right like, off let's the start bat with that. Well, the, he's like i've barely met this person and like yeah. i have to dive straight into this. and it's yeah. stars network so it's like they don't yeah. pull a whole lot of punches <laughs> um and he was talking about the um the intimacy coach mm-hmm. is the same thing and you know all of that is explicitly explicitly directed and there's a choreography to an intimacy scene and hollywood does that yeah but that's something that lacks on a lot of stages. Right. And it's something that we need to push more for um, because I've seen some pretty inappropriate stuff happen on stage that you know wasn't staged. Yes, that um, there has been moments where you're like, um. But stuff on stage that is outside of your normal right. definitely should be choreographed very explicitly. Right. And yet those are the exceptions. Like I feel like most people are really good about saying, okay, hi, nice to meet you. Is it okay if I, you know, touch you here. Yep. If I, you know, when we did um, the, our old uh, Otello, mm-hmm. I was the Bianca and uh, Michael Fabiano and I had to kiss. And it was like, he, he was so gracious and mm-hmm. you know, did, I didn't feel awkward. He didn't make it weird. It was like, we just stood around and talked and he was like, okay, so if I do this and I'm gonna put my hand here like on your waist or whatever so that, you know, we had, choreographed what we were going to do. Right. Like I knew we were going to kiss from here, from this point to this point in the music, not just whenever somebody felt like it. <laughs> right. I always, I always used that concept when I talked to significant others that I was with. If I ever had to do like a stage kiss or stage yeah. intimacy, one of, one of my exes was not a huge fan of that concept. And I was like, what's going through your head in this scenario is we kiss on this beat, something grabs my attention and we pull away on this beat. Yes. And then there's this cue, and then I have yeah. to sing. That's what's going through my head while trying to act like it's legitimately an right. intimate moment. Like I'm, like I'm enjoying this as a character because, like, our characters really want to kiss and right. like each other. And yeah, you know, it is. You're, you're thinking about so many other things while it's happening. Meanwhile, I can't hear the orchestra. Was that my beat? Was I supposed to right. change here? Yeah. I'll try not to cover your ears while I hold your face since you have to sing. <laughs> yeah, important parts. Who's facing where? Right. You, you know? still need, like, he still needed to see the um, the prompter, the, the, the not the prompter, the, how's it called? The monitor? Monitor. There you go. Yeah, you know, it, you're thinking about a bajillion other things. Yes, yeah. And there's that much going on, especially right. in the productions here. And I'm trying to, like, get let my costume get stuck on your costume or, you Ooh, know. Yeah. 
Yep, had those happen. Those are always fun. Have you ever had like major costume mishaps? Um, here. Anywhere? I had a major costume mishap in college. Yeah? We were doing Tartuffe and I had this, they were doing it in sort of this like, you know, uh, Civil War South instead of um, in France. Oh, yeah. It was with like a carpet bagger as Tartuffe mm -hmm. and um, this huge hoop skirt that somehow- Always the hoop skirts. Oh my gosh, the hoops, uh, hoop skirts. Somehow came like the little hook and eye closure. I don't know if the hook bent, I don't know what happened. Anyway, came undone. Oh. And so when you also have on a dress that's meant for a hoop skirt, it is really long to take out all that, to have all that yeah. volume. So anyway, my, in this big monologue, my, I could start to feel something kind of moving down my waist and like down my rear. And I was just like, oh, my, my hoop skirt came off in like just puddles down at my feet in my the middle God. of this. And it's this, this whole monologue where I was playing Marianne and she's saying to her father, um, you know, if he wants her to marry Tartuffe, she's in love with somebody else. And she's like, you can give him all my money. I don't want an inheritance if you just can let me not, you know, marry the person I want to marry. And so there's this some line where she's like, you know, give him your property. And if that's not enough, take mine from me. And so I picked up my hoop skirt and I chucked it across the stage. Nice. <laughs> at him. But that's the kind of thing you just like, you know, be yep. a real person. Yeah. Do the thing a real person would do. Yeah. You know, it's pretty easy if you can just not panic. Right. Well, that's exactly it's the it's the don't panic. Act normal. Like the, the, the performances that bug me are the ones that are too pristine. Yeah. Like life is messy. Like, um, I remember I saw the dress rehearsal for the new production of Traviata. Yeah. And at one point in time when, when Juan Diego Flores puts on his boots, his, like, couldn't get his boots on. Because they're, they're, like, yeah. they're, they're real boots. They don't have the zipper down the side. Yeah. They're not elastic. Like, it's right. legit period apparel. And he couldn't get the boot on. But he's supposed to, he's downstage left. He's supposed to cross upstage right at that moment and go over to Violeta. And, like, he can't get the boot on. So he, he played it up like yeah. this is what happened. So he got up and moved while the boot wasn't all the way on and like kind of like stomped it on. And it was humorous, but so natural sure. and real in the moment. When we have to do like dress someone on stage or put someone's <laughs> wig on or you have to do a costume change on stage. I mean, it's when we were doing Adriana and I- was, Oh, that's immediately what yeah. came to mind. Yeah. And I had to dress Anna Natrepko with that in that opening bit. I had to really dress her. Right. I had yeah. to really help her get undressed and really dress her yeah. with an entire corset. And she had this wig that was, you know, like the down past her waist. Wig. And the the panniers and everything. I mean, it was like, and we had to be, we had to move. There was, was not a lot that of time, time. Yeah. you know? And she's, she's a champ. I mean, like she, nothing phases her. It's kind of amazing. I have seen her on stage when like, catastrophe happens and she just yeah. you know she's she's a duck yeah. it's like i'm sure her legs are going like this but yeah. on the on the surface it's just utterly smooth. smooth like you know i'm i'm had to fasten this whole corset you know on the front and she's she was just like whatever like you're just being a normal person who would have to do this yeah. i've been in you know i've i've performed with her a hundred times she knows me well enough and it's like we got this yeah no, I'm not worried. And if it took a little bit longer one night than it did the night before, yeah. somehow neither of us ever panicked. Yeah. You know, 
but but again that's the whole thing like that's my job i'm yep. here to help facilitate something for a singer that they can't do for themselves on stage right so do you have a a, a character process backstory and yeah creating an attachment to the character and you know letting the story come forth in a natural way do you do that with your super characters or with some of them and not other ones probably most of them yeah we do that and even if we have a lot of directors who are really great that will do that with us, who will help give us some more information. Yeah. Um, David McVicker is always like, here's what your name is. You have nice. a name. And this is how you know these people and here's who you're related to. And you've been here for this amount of time. And if you don't, if he doesn't tell you and you don't know, you ask him, he has an answer. He's thought of all of that stuff. Wild. It's, it's really amazing. He knows, he knows everything. Everything, everybody everything. that's on stage, everything they're doing, yeah. all the time. Like all the time. He has it all figured out. And then if, then if you have somebody that maybe doesn't give you that much to go on, you know, you can do the work for yourself. I think, I think, I mean, I'm sure supering has come a long way everywhere, but especially at the Met. I mean, the, the people that work here, no one's a volunteer. Mm. Like everyone is treating it as a job. Even yeah. if maybe the, you know, a lot of people here are professional actors and went to Harvard and this is what they do yeah. while they're doing other things. And then there's people who, you know, there's a guy who's um, an architect who just like wants to be in an opera, but he takes it seriously. Yeah. You know, he's been in some show for, you know, 15 years or whatever, every time it comes back. But I think that that's, that's part of the difference. It's like, this is a group of people who are making choices on stage. Yeah. They're making choices before we get to the performance and during the performance. Yeah. And when things aren't specific, it shows. Yeah. You know, you, you have unspecific choreography, you get very unspecific results. Yeah. That's just how that works. Yeah. One of the things I've always enjoyed about watching you on stage is that, like you said, these are people that are making choices. I always feel like everything that you're doing on stage, whether it's carrying luggage or dressing a human <laughs> being, um, is done with a d distinct purpose and it's the choice to do it. It's not filling up space. Mm -hmm. It's the antithesis of that. Yeah. It is creating a world that exists. And we may often be there to be the singers, but without what you do, that world wouldn't exist. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's, I think that is like what my job is. I think that's part of why I got this job. Cause yeah. I think when I, the audition process to be a staff performer is the most involved audition I've ever been involved really? in my life. <laughs> in my life. I mean, it was, it was super, super, super involved. And a big part of it was an interview. About, really? yeah, oh, I think I had an interview for about an hour. Wow. Um, about just my experience and my experience on stage, um, outside of the Met, at the Met. Because I'd, I'd only been in a few things before I auditioned. And... Um, I think knowing and understanding like what the real purpose of being a super is um, makes it an important job. Yeah. If you don't really understand like what the point is, then of course it seems, you know, yeah. superfluous. Yeah, absolutely. You came into it in a very specific way for somebody that is interested in doing this kind of work, whether it's the Met or anywhere else, um, what's the process like to go at it cold if you don't have the connections to directors? You know, I, I'm not super sure. A lot of people who have worked at the Met 
You know, they, they put audition notices up. If they're looking for a certain group of people or a certain type, you know, backstage or whatever yeah. people look up, you know, casting networks, it's, it's on things. You know, we're looking for tall guys or whatever the thing is. Yeah. We're looking for jugglers. Yeah. You know, we do Akhenaten and I think people also don't realize that everybody that's on stage that's not singing and isn't a child <laughs> is a super. Is a super, yeah. Every single, per I mean, every single person. Yep. You know, Kathleen Turner was a super. <laughs> Her role, she was hired by the super department. Yeah. You know, she's every, that's what everybody is. So it's a really big, broad group of, of yeah. people. So I think there's lots of different ways to find out about it. I think um, knowing somebody definitely helps, like having a friend that's like, I'm in a show. Oh, you want to be in a show? Great. Here, send your headshot and resume to the department and, you know, they'll put you in when they can fit you in. Yeah. Yeah. What is something about life behind the curtain at the Met that you would only know if you worked here? What do you have? Do you have anything specific? I mean, there's so many things. I think how silly everybody is. Yeah. Opera is so serious, <laughs> you know, but we have such a good time all the time. Yeah. People know when to like work. Mm -hmm. And I think people also know when to like cut up and be silly. Yeah. The super spend a lot of time with the soloists. All of the rehearsals that we have, especially with a new production, it's just us in the room. Mm -hmm. Chorus always gets added later. Right. Uh, orchestra gets added later. So it's kind of like this small group of, you know, the soloists, um, accompanists, directors, and we get to have such a good time together. Yeah. Well, you're interacting with them in a totally different way than anybody else. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you're, I'm, like, I mean, I've, if you're going to be dressing on an intrepid yeah. on stage, then. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the person that gets spit on. Accidentally, <laughs> accidentally, you know, I'm the person that's that close where it's, it's close like, on, it's yeah. like, wow, I have all of your sweat on my body. <laughs> and that's fine. People sweat. Like it doesn't, yeah, I'm not yeah. worried or freaked out about it. Cause also I feel like I'm playing a character who probably would just have a normal reaction to that. Yeah. Based on whatever relationship we have on stage. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I have, I've picked up poop on stage. That's probably something people may not know about right. we do Bohem. you know we've got animals on stage yep they have no concept of like where appropriate yep. places are to yeah. evacuate their bowels and so um you can't really tell a horse can you just hold can that you hold, like just you, get off you, stage a minute and a half like you know just have one cross and uh we were doing for Bohem, and we we're in the cafe and it was a lot of a lot of poop a lot of poop it was from one of the horses. It wasn't from Gabe. Gabe would Gabe knows better than to Gabe. on stage. Gabe the donkey, Sir Gabriel the donkey. Sir Gabriel? Who is the best donkey in the world, <laughs> is a professional and would never poop on stage. But I've met people who have come to visit that donkey he, when he's, he's in productions. He knows me. Yeah. I feed him carrots and barber. He and like now, like he he remembers me. And so I try really hard to not pet him a lot when I see him because I feel like I'm teasing him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's like, you're the carrot lady and yep. I don't have one to give you right now. So I try to, but yeah, we're, we're close. Um, Sir Gabriel. <laughs> Sir Gabriel. So, was he granted this name once he started working here? Was that his name before he came to the Met? No, I think, I think it was a title he was born into. Mm -hmm. I think, I believe, yes. <laughs> he was knighted applicably. All yeah. Right. Um, his father was... You know, also a sir. Also a sir. 
It's a very regal line of donkeys. It is. No, they're a noble creature. But yeah, that's definitely something you don't really just want that poop to just no. hang out on stage. Well, so we're like, it's it's sort of right in the area I know that everybody is going to be. And not like trample through it once, but like track it everywhere. Um, and I mean... It would be like like the fake snow that gets everywhere. Yes, it's, like it's everywhere. You, you go upstairs, you shake it out everywhere. of your dress. It's yeah. inside your shoes. You go home and you're like, why is there Bohem snow on my carpet? Randomly. You guys use shaved potato for that? No, no, it's paper. It's paper? It's paper. A little tiny, little tiny paper. I, I've done it. I've done that show with like dehydrated potato oh, shavings. I've never seen that. It's really interesting. It's probably really hard to clean up. I mean, it, it it's it acts kind of like, I don't know, a fuzzy object. Is it like the mashed potatoes in the box? I d no, no. Can you like, like shake it out and like, like reconstitute it? This. Oh, okay. I don't know that I'd want to sweep it up and then reconstitute it for anything. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's a starch. Right. I suppose you could. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna need to find. I'm gonna need to find a, a, a production manager who's dealt with that. And <laughs> we have no snow. We have no snow. But I went to the gourmet garage, <laughs> and I have 40 boxes of flaked potatoes. <laughs> Oh, good God. Yeah, if that ever happens, I want to be the guy who's like up there like shaking potatoes on people. Yes. I want that to be my job. And then like drop a whole potato just because. Yeah. Just... Yes. That'd be awesome. Have you, I'm going to wait till the siren goes by. <laughs> oh, but I did pick up the poop. That was the whole, that was the whole thing. So. With what? Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> should I wait for that to be? Yeah, probably right. Yeah, we're, we're fine. I, like a menu from the cafe or something? I I don't want to say that it's because I'm from Texas. <laughs> but I, I've spent some time around livestock. Uh -huh. And I, um, anyway, I see the poo. And I was like, this is going to be bad. This is going to get really, really bad. So I, I have on, I have on, Gloves, like sheer gloves. Wardrobe must have loved you. Well, yeah, I. But I took one for the team. Sometimes you just have to. Opera is a team sport, and I. A dirty sport. Oh my god, I, I. Oh, I said a team sport. <laughs> I'm a dirty sport, but you said it. Right. I said okay. dirty sport. <laughs> so I, you know, and this is the other thing is like, how do I casually swoop up poo? Right. So, I. You know, it's the old it's the old trick where it's like, oh, is my shoelace untied? So I I like yes. the group like all comes down at some point. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of camouflaged by people. And I just like knelt down, pretended like I was buckling my you know, mm -hmm. my heel, and I scooped up some poo. I had to gather a little bit because it rolls sometimes. Gathered some poo. I went over and I put it in um, one of the napkins in the cafe and I like like twisted it up so I held on to it because I thought somebody's going to sit down and use that napkin. Oh, so yeah. I held on to the poop napkin and gave it to props when the show ended to let them know. And he said, because I think it was, I didn't know if they were going to count them and be like, oh, we're short napkins. Right. Because yeah. they do laundry right, and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's props. Somebody's like, everything on stage is accounted for. Somebody's going to get in trouble because a napkin's missing. And like, I, you know, anyway, so I just let the guys know. I was like, this has poop in it. Do you want it? Or do you want me to just throw it out? <laughs> to which they were like, we have a lot of napkins. You can just throw that out. 
I, I, I feel like that's probably a conversation you never expected to have with props. No, but I feel like so many weird conversations about props all the time. You know? That's true. Like I had to pour that bucket of water on someone in, in Ella's ear and I would make sure and go and put my hand in it and see if it was slightly warm because otherwise it was like, you're freezing and it's cold. It's cold on stage and I've just like dumped this like ice bucket water all over this singer, you know. It's a, it's a, but you learn that in high school. Check your own props. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We do have a severed head. That's like when you walk past the Turando table and it's like the severed head sitting there is pretty yes. awesome. Yes. And it looks exactly like Sasha, the guy who plays the Prince of Persia, yeah. because they modeled it after his head. It looks just like him. Creepy. Yeah. Awesome. It's awesome and but creepy. creepy. Nice. Yeah. So what is your favorite character that you've played? It doesn't even have to be at the Met. Okay, well, I think I've I think I've got like two actually, kind of two. I was in Barefoot in the Park. Okay. And I loved playing Corey Bradder. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a an eighteen year old, I didn't do her the justice that I could now as a grown up, as a real live grown up. But uh, I love that show. It's so much fun. And it's small and it's, I mean, it's prop heavy, but it's like, yeah. it's just, it's beautifully simplistic. And, um, you know, and New York, it's New York. Yeah, definitely. Quintessential New York. And I think um, I was in Pericles uh, playing Dionysa. And that was really fun because I was evil. I don't get to play evil very often. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not in the spectrum. It's right. not in the, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't get to do like evil and prostitute or evil and none. I just get to be. <laughs> evil and none. Not a whole lot of people get to do no, the evil and none. But it was really fun. And um, coincidentally, I, um, Ed Berkeley, who uh, is, you know, big guy in opera, I was, he taught a Shakespeare class. He is, knows everything about Shakespeare. And he directed it, and I loved it. It was so, so much fun. Shakespeare's nice. actually what I did the most stuff before I was in Yes. Yeah. I've always loved Shakespeare. It's my jam. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but, like, when it clicks with you, it clicks with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and like, I think most people who, if it's not clicking but you try to, you'll have a moment where all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, they're not speaking another language. Right. <laughs> Suddenly it just, you know. Yeah. But it I feel like, you know, sense. it's it's like it's it's like opera. You may not understand all the words, but you still are able to grasp the deep sentiment and yeah. feel something. For sure. So do you have any advice for anybody kind of coming up in the ranks who wants to do this sort of thing? Whether it's whether it's super work or or theater acting or, you know. Because while you exist in, in opera land, I yeah. think of you as an actor. Right, right. I think of myself as an actor. Yeah. I think of myself I, as I an think, actor. I, not just you. I, all, yeah, I think yeah. of supers as an acting right. role, a theater right. acting role. And, and that's what it is. Yeah. And I think anybody who works with us closely knows that. Yeah. Whether the audience is able to recognize that. But we're not who they come for. Right. So that's okay. You know, but... Um, I mean, I think one of the things I've really learned by being at the Met and performing here is you can you can actually still do things really small, even though there's you know 
almost 4,000 seats. Like it doesn't have to, like, like the bigger the house doesn't denote, yeah. you know, how large you have to make your actions. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. And I think um, just really figuring out how to be like a normal person on stage, like what, what I do, that's been huge. Yeah. And I say that to people all the time. Like, I'm like, just do what you would do. Like, what would you do if this happened? Yeah. And even though the things that are happening on stage are not the things that are happening in your real life. If they were, what would you do? Yeah. How would you react? Be a human. Be a normal person who does normal things. And by normal, I mean, whatever that scope is of, you know, of you. Yeah. And yeah. just, and just live there in that place. I also really like to tell people, I like to tell new supers that, um, just find something to do in a scene and keep doing it until somebody tells you to stop. Because chances are, if you're like over there being the person who's like, you know, I'm the bartender on stage and I'm making drinks, you're gonna like do something different one night because you're like, oh, I'm just gonna like, you know, go rogue and like sh shake a different drink a different way or whatever. And then the director's like, you stopped doing that thing you were doing. Yep. Because people are paying attention and they're watching you and, and yeah. if somebody doesn't tell you, give you a note to not do something. Yeah. You know, I just tell people, keep doing it. Keep doing it. I was um, playing Spin the Bottle in Ernani. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I did it from the very first day. We had all these bottles and we're like, you know, we're, we're coming out and we're pouring wine for the guys on the hillside. And, and then like I had my little group and we thought it'd be really funny if we just like, you know, spun the bottle. And so then later when the um, HD came out, <laughs> I was approached by somebody who said, and, and I, um, it, it, was, it was Eric Einhorn, who, who I love, and I think he will appreciate this. And he was like, were you always doing that? And I said, every single time, every rehearsal, every show. And he was like, okay. And I said, I said I, I'm pretty sure that as long as bottles have existed, people played this game. I think that's probably So accurate. I don't think it's um, anachronistic at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's great about that too is that there were so many opportunities for somebody to tell you, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't get a note to change it. But also like, and this is again, like I'm, I'm just over here living my life. Yep. I'm this, I'm me as this real person who has a bottle and is playing a game. And, and obviously it wasn't distracting Yeah. because it hadn't been brought up. Yeah. <laughs> But I was also like when I first started at the Met and it was like, you know. But I think it's important to make things fun for yourself. Yeah. We have so much fun. Well, I'm looking forward to you getting back to work. Yeah. For, as an audience member. Yeah. Because you guys are a lot of fun to watch and experience on stage. So thanks again for, for taking the time. And, yeah. uh, Happy and I'm to glad do that it. we finally actually were able to I know. sit down. No one was having a baby. No one was having a baby. <laughs> and we broke the mold and we did this socially distanced outside, yeah. which is also nice. If you're interested in contributing to Artist Relief Tree to help artists struggling with COVID-19 shutdowns, please visit artistrelieftree.com. This has been an episode of This Artistic Life. Find us on your favorite podcast apps and subscribe. Follow This Artistic Life on Instagram at This Artistic Life and on Twitter at Artistic Vita. For more information on today's guest, visit our website, thisartisticpodcast.com.